I'm excited and glad that we're doing it. Um, everything we do is for a purpose. And I want to just encourage you guys, you know, don't see this as just something, oh, we're doing this at church. You know, when you give a gift, it opens up a door in someone's life. You give a gift to someone, it takes a wall down. And so in these, in, in these shoe boxes are not just toys and not just, you know, cheap things you give somebody, but it's an opportunity to receive a gift and then to ask, why am I getting this? I mean, what we celebrate at Christmas is not the gifts we give each other, but the greatest gift of life, and that's Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, and that's what we celebrate. And so gift-giving opens doors for people. And so in those shoeboxes, now I want to encourage everyone to pack a shoebox. Pack five of them. You're touching a life. It's a real child. This may be the first gift they've ever received in their life. And this may be the first introduction to Jesus Christ. And, and put stuff in there you'd want your kids to have. I mean, sometimes it's easy to go, okay, let me get some cheap things and put them in here. And I'm not against that stuff. But man, just think about it. These kids are going to open this up and pray over your shoeboxes. It's a statement I never thought I would say. Pray over shoeboxes. But pray over your shoeboxes and pray for the child who's going to receive this. And um, I'm excited about it. And you should be too. And uh, we're excited to do it again. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says this, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. I'll repeat that last half of that. Everything got started in him. Everything that you see. This is why the scripture says the heavens and earth declare his glory. Everything that you see got started in him. And its purpose is in him. That means too that you got started in him and your purpose is in him. I got started in him and my purpose is in him. Purpose. We all want purpose for our lives. I don't think is anybody content going, I'm just happy existing. Get up in the morning and I breathe and, and that's good enough for me. Maybe there's some of us, we'll pray for you. But we want purpose in our lives. We want our lives to count. Man, I want my life to mean something. I'm not satisfied with just this mediocre life. I, I want to be successful. I want to achieve something but not just anything, something that matters, something that's important. You know, we were created with that desire in ourselves. I mean, if we went around this room, how many of you go, man, I want my life to count. I want it just to have meaning, and I want to make some kind of difference. I want to leave some kind of legacy, some kind of influence, some kind of impact. I, I want there to be something greater than a big stone in, in, in a graveyard that has my name on it. I want it to be a lasting legacy of my life. I want purpose. And, and, and that desire leads to that question, why am I here? If I were to ask you who's asked that question, in the course of their lives, I, I believe it's safe to say the majority of us, if not all of us, would raise our hands and say, at some point in my life, I've asked that question, you know, why am I here? What is the point of my life? 
Why do I exist? Why do I live and breathe? I want to say that for the next several weeks, and I'm not putting an end date on it, because I don't know how long it's going to be exactly, but we're going to be focusing on purpose. And I want to encourage you. I'm not a guy that jumps into reading books and fads, but I want to encourage you, if, especially if you haven't read this book, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. I want to encourage you, because a lot of it, we're going to be going right alongside for the next, it could be six weeks, it could be a little bit longer than that. It'll be at least six weeks. We're going to be going through, Along this, I'll be preaching along these lines. This is an excellent book. Do you know that this book is the second best-selling book in the world, apart from the Bible, which is number one? God has used this book to transform and speak to so many people. And I believe whether you're you're a Christian or non-Christian, this book, God will use it in your life. So I want to encourage you. You can get them for less than 10 bucks. You can buy a used copy for a penny. I've looked at them. Get the book. Read along. You can read one chapter a day, and a chapter is like four pages. And just think about it. But go and get this book. I do not believe you will be disappointed. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about purpose. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, that question, why am I here, is asked. It has nothing to do with your Christianity. We just ask this question. And I really believe it's a God-given question. If you think about that question, why am I here? In order for you to answer that question, you have to look inside of yourself. You have to look to something else and go, what is my purpose? What is the point of who I am? How am I here? And so it's a way God gets you to look towards him. It's a chance to look towards him and go, wow, the only way I can find purpose is if I believe in a God. So it forces an answer in our lives, even if it's the wrong answer. Purpose defined means this. It's an object of which one strives for. It's an aim. It's a goal. We understand this. When you run a race, there's a finish line. I would hate to start a race where there is no finish line. We play football. There's a goal line. Any sports, there's a goal. There's a point. You're hired at your job, and they go, hey, listen, Lori, there's no point to your job. There's no purpose. No, we want to know what is the purpose. What am I working for? What am I achieving? Because in knowing where I am going or what I am achieving, I know if I am successful. It even helps me know when I fall short because when I fall short, I know how much harder I need to work to make it to where I need to be. We are people who are defined by purpose. We get in our cars and we drive. Why? Because we know where we're going. We're trying to get somewhere. And so for us in our lives, we are people that God has designed to think this way. And so when it comes to our individual lives, that question, why am I here? Yes, I'm working and that is purposeful and providing for my family and and providing for myself. And yes, I'm doing these things, but, but why? Why am I here? Why have I been placed here? That's a God-given question. But how you respond to that question, your answer will determine your life. Does anybody know what this is? How did you know this was a coat hanger? It's kind of a dumb question, right? Because we've seen coat hangers like this all the time. Right? 
This is a coat hanger. But I want to tell you that in its current form, it's not going to hang too many coats. You know, there are so many uses for this little thing right here. I, I can unlock a door in the bathroom. You know those little door handles you can stick it in? That's a great use for a coat hanger. You lock yourself out of your car, right? What do you look for? You look for a coat hanger, right? Your toilet's plugged. This little bad boy right here can get that squared away too. Then you can roast a marshmallow, hopefully not right after you unplug your toilet. But you can roast a marshmallow with this, and you can roast a hot dog with this. And there are so many things. I actually went online last night, and, and I found 19 uses, none of which I have mentioned, I don't think, that you can use these for. There's so many things you can do with this coat hanger. But what was this coat hanger created for? It wasn't created to roast hot dogs. It would, it would have a different form, a different shape if it was. It was created and designed to hang coats. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was, I was uh, a few years ago, I bought a truck and I bought it used and I... Um, it was owned by a commercial company, uh, and, and I don't know what the commercial company was, but a couple, couple uh, probably about a month, month and a half ago, I was cleaning out the truck, and under the seat, I found this. I don't even know. It's, there's a picture of it right there. I, I don't know what it's for. It was under the seat, and it looks kind of important, you know? I have no clue what this is, and I don't know why I kept it. I was like, this looks important. I really probably shouldn't throw this away but I have no clue what this thing is. And so it's, it's, it's really pretty cool. There's it's a lot of detail to it. I mean, I really think somebody put a lot of work into creating this. And I don't know what it's for, but I can find some uses for it. Because I don't want to throw it away. It's, it's, it's really helpful, I think. So, you know, I can use it to, uh, to spread cream cheese on my waffle. Because it is shaped kind of well. So I can spread cream cheese on the waffle with this. That's a good use for it, I think. I don't want to throw it away. I can cut my waffle, kind of, with this. And, and, and yes, yeah, so I can find uses for this. I could probably attach a string and, and troll this behind a boat, and it's kind of glittery. A fish might come after this. And, and I could put a hook on it, and I think, I think that it would work well. But I, I, here's the truth. I'm going to try something. What is your purpose? You know, I've asked it several times. It has not responded to me. I don't think it knows what its purpose is. Does anybody know what this is? What is it? It's memory? Really? Is this a good thing to have? It's old? But it, when it was made, would it have been a good thing to have? Is it worth something? I mean, I really don't know. Is it worth something? I mean, back when it was made. How much would it have been worth back then? 30 bucks, all right? I have a lot of utensils in my house, but none of them are probably worth 30 bucks. Is it something you would use to spread cream cheese on your waffle? (laughs) Work with me, Joe. Back when it was formed. 
Let me ask you this. Did its owner create it for cream cheese? No. All right. It was created for a purpose, something that I have, now I do know. Now I can't say that second service, Joe, because you told me. But we can do that, and, and, and honestly, it was created for a purpose, and, and really, the only person, if I were to take an invention and, and hand it to you, if I were to take an egg beater to you, and you've never seen an egg beater, I want to tell you this, if I took an egg beater to the island of Aramungo, and I handed it to them and said, tell me what this is for, they would have no clue. I'm sure they would come up with reasons and things and how to use it. But the only way you know what invention is used for is one of two ways. Number one, you ask the one who created it. Or you go to the owner's manual. Those are the only two ways you will know what it's created for. Otherwise, what happens in life is, is that we go, man, I'm, I'm here for something. And I've got, man, I've got abilities and talents and skill sets. And this egg beater, it can spin. Or, or that memory board is flat so I can spread cream cheese with it. And so, man, my, it, my life's got to mean something. So let me look carefully at myself and let me come up with my purpose, my reason for being. And so many times in our lives we start going, okay, because of this ability and the skill set or well, I can play sports real well, therefore this is now my purpose and, and, and now let me, let, me, let me, I want my life to have focus and meaning and so I'm going to run now after this thing. And so in, 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 that, in, that, in that question, why am I here? Many of us tend to create answers for ourselves. Christian, non-Christian. And some of us look like we're spreading cream cheese with a memory board. And some of our lives look like that stretched out coat hanger. And we spend our lives sometimes just feeling unsatisfied, unfulfilled. You know, I just want to say that, that if this coat hanger had feelings and emotions and personality. It probably wouldn't feel good being stuck down a toilet to clean things out. Right? And sometimes in our own lives, it's kind of a picture of us. Man, I just feel like I'm being used for something. And Sometimes our lives look like a picture of a coat hanger being stuck down a toilet to clean it out. And we wonder why we don't feel fulfilled. We wonder why we feel like we have no meaning. We wonder why we don't have any joy. And and, and we find our meaning and our joy in things that we determine by ourselves, things that we come up with without ever going to the Creator. Rick Warren writes this. He says, contrary to what many popular books, movies, and seminars tell you, you won't discover your life's meaning by looking within yourself. You've probably tried that already. You didn't create yourself, so there's no way you can tell yourself what you were created for. He says, if I handed you an invention you had never seen before, you wouldn't know its purpose. And the invention itself wouldn't be able to tell you either. Only the creator or the owner's manual could reveal its purpose. Job 12, verse 10 says, It is God who directs the lives of his creatures, everyone's life is in his power. And in a psalm that we know well, Psalm 139 says this, verse 13 through 16 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. And you saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He continues, Rick Warren does, and he says, You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. It is only in God that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. Every other part or every other path leads to a dead end. Folks, you are no accident. Your birth was no mistake or mishap. Your life is no fluke of nature. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. And God takes into account the sin of people. So even if you were born out of wedlock, your birth, your life is no accident. Long before you were conceived by your parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. He thought of you first. It's not fate nor chance, nor luck, nor coincidence that you're breathing at this very moment. And it's no mistake that you're here this morning. You are alive because God wanted to create you. You're still here this morning because God's not through with you yet. He custom made you the way he wanted to. He chose your race, your skin color, your hair, or your lack of hair. And every other feature that you have, he put you together. He determined your talents, your abilities, the things that you would possess, and the uniqueness of your personality. And he made you and he built you with a purpose. Let me tell you something. Your abilities and your skill sets and your talents, they are not your purpose. They have purpose, but they are not your purpose. God spoke you into being. Do you know that from the time you were born, you will live for eternity? And I've done this before, and I want to do it again. And who can I pick on? Smither, you're right there. Come here, Smither, please. This, from the time you were born, you will live forever. You know, there's there's a reason inside of our lives why we don't want to die. Because God's given that to us. You're going to live forever. forever. You're either going to live forever with God or without God. And eternity is a long, long time. Hold that thought. You know, we read this in, in funerals all the time. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 1, it says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Listen to this. He says, the earthly tent. That's how he refers to our lives on this earth compared to an eternal building, a house in eternity. Tent on earth, house in heaven. I happen to know the difference between living in a tent, not camping in a tent, living in a tent for nine months, and living in a house. 
House is better. House is better. Tent is very, very temporary. But the wording that we see here is this. God says, man, your lives here, they're tense. They're temporary. It's, it's not permanent. Your permanence comes from the day that you die. It means that what you do now is significant for what your life looks like in eternity. Can you hold that? This is your life. You're born right right at the beginning of this paper. And let's say that you are you live really long. You live to be a hundred. I'm being gracious here. A hundred. And this is your life. Just go ahead and start unrolling some of it. This is your life. You will spend far more time in eternity than you ever will in this area here. Just keep going, Smithy. You can go around the building if you want. This, this is eternity. Just, just hold it for me, Jimmy. All right. This is eternity, guys. And the more Smithy keeps going, the less this really becomes. And, and you know what God says here? What you do here determines all of that. And he says, you've been born with purpose, and you were designed, and you were given a mission and a goal, and this is what counts. And if you choose to live this without God, you are choosing to live that without God. And if you choose to live this with God, you are choosing to live that with God. Your choice right now and how you fulfill your purpose determines that, and it just keeps going and going and going, and someone's going to help me clean this up. But this, this is your life. And God says you were born, and you were designed, and you were everything about you. And don't get distracted with eternity, guys. That sounds so messed up. That doesn't sound spiritual. Be distracted with eternity, but right now pay attention here. All right, this right here is important. And God says, I've given this to you. And you have a purpose. Okay, we can stop. Eternity's just ended right there. All right, thank you guys. But you get the point. This could go on and on and on. And some of you are going to be upset for me wasting this paper, but I'll give it to you to use. All right? So here's the thing. This is 100 years. And God says, I've given you your abilities. I've given you your talents. I've given you a skill set. And it's here. And then he says, you know what? I've placed the owner's manual in your hand. And you can't tell me you don't know what your life is for. You can look at it and decide you want to use it for something else. You can look at a coat hanger and see and go, I know this is a coat hanger, but let me unwind it because I've got a better use for it. And there's some of us like that who have unwound a coat hanger and said, you know what, I, I feel like I've got a better purpose for this coat hanger. And so we, we take what God has given us, the abilities and the skill sets and the talents, and we begin using them for other things. When deep down in our hearts, and sometimes we as Christians can say, yes, I, I know I'm here to do this for God, but, but somehow, and I may go to church, and I may play the church game, but really the way my life is being used really doesn't reflect His purposes for me. And, and, and instead of me being made for God, by God and for God, I've kind of reversed it, and I'm actually using God to fulfill my purposes rather than allowing him to use me to fulfill his. You weren't born for God to fulfill your purposes. 
That's like saying, you know, God, I got this coat hanger, and this is my life, and I've unraveled it, and I'm going to clean this toilet. God, please bless me as I use this coat hanger to unclean that toilet. And some of us, we have no idea. Some of us, we've, we, we, we've, we're like that, that memory board, except we don't know it's a memory board. And so we, 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 and many of the world is like that, and they're waiting for you who have purpose to come and tell them otherwise. They're waiting for guys like me to do my job and to tell them there's a God who, who, who created them and formed them, that they may have purpose. And so right now, they're spreading cream cheese with a memory chip or a circuit board. And they're spreading because they don't know. And they're just covering up, and, and, and they're not feeling fulfilled with their lives. And there may be some of you who are in here right now whose lives look like that. And the whole time, God is saying, what was that message this morning that came out? God says, the time is short. Come, come and spend your time. Come into my flock. Come and worship me. And I tell you, this right here, this, would you give all of this up to focus on this right here? Would you really trade all of that to use your life as a coat hanger or to use your life as a marshmallow roaster thingy? And when we see it this way, our answer is clearly no. But it's not what we say. It's what we do. You know, when you find your purpose, I never thought I would be, in fact, I told you, I, I told everybody, I was not going to be a pastor. I was more, I, was, I had a different route. I thought my giftings and my abilities and my, and, my, and, my, and my talents and my skill sets were all leading to a different thing. And the truth is, I love doing this now. Never thought I would. I love preaching. I love speaking to people. I love leading people into the light. Never thought I would enjoy doing that. I get more fulfillment out of this. I've actually even said, one day I remember I was talking to God and I was, and I was kind of complaining about something. And I was like, God, I just want to have a, a house in the middle of 100 acres and keep everybody away from me. That sounds real Christian and real pastoral, I know. Just keep everybody away from me. Just put my house right there and hunt. I'm just going to hunt. And then God just said to me, someone, you wouldn't be happy. And I thought, man, you're right. I'm, I wouldn't. I think I would from the outside. I go, yeah, but God... He's given me a purpose inside of my heart. And I know that, 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 man, if I don't do what he's called me to do, I will die. If not physically, man, I won't have any joy. All the woods and all the hunting and all of the outdoors would never fulfill anything in my life. But for a time, I thought it would. What about you? What are you chasing for fulfillment? I tell you what, the world will tell you what to do. The world will tell you, man, it's this, it's success, it's all these things. Good luck. I would hate to spend my life and get to this point and go, it wasn't what I thought it was. I really thought by this point in my life, I would have more joy. I thought by this point of success in my career, if that's what you sell out to, 
would bring some sense of fulfillment. I love what Tebow said. Some, some, some reporters were asking Tebow about being cut, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he, he said basically, man, my joy doesn't come from whether I make the team or don't make the team. My joy comes from the fact that I know my God has me. And regardless of what happens here physically in front of everyone that you think my life should be about, that's secondary. My joy is complete because of who he is, not because of what happens here. When you find your purpose, man, I want to tell you, this is the most crucial question you will ask yourselves and answer in your lives. How are you answering this question in your life? You know, a magnifying glass takes light from the sun, if you take it this way and use this way, and you take it, and you take that magnifying glass and you use it against the sun. What, what happens to the sun? What does it do? It focuses that light, right? And you can use that, you can adjust that magnifying glass to make that, that light so intensely focused. And that intensely focused light from the sun, when put on a piece of paper, will what? Will set it on fire. You can take light that we use here to light up a stage, and you can intensify it so much that it turns into a laser beam. And with that laser beam, you can do surgery. Focus. Focus comes from having a purpose. Focus comes when you be. If I had the words up in, they were all blurred, it would bother you. You'd go, man, it just needs to focus. It needs to be crisp. With purpose comes focus in your life. You know, when you don't have purpose in your life, your lives are way overcrowded. Because you're running around everywhere trying to find, trying to do everything, trying to please everybody. But when you have purpose, when you can say, man, I know why I'm here, all of a sudden there's like this measuring stick. For those who understand a plumb line, it's like a plumb line. And when you have that, all of a sudden you're able to say, the thing that I'm doing, does it line up with my purpose, my plumb line? And if it doesn't, why waste my time? With purpose, you become focused. With focus, you become way more intentional. Your life actually becomes more simplified, not overly complicated. Do you know with purpose comes fulfillment? It's got nothing to do with money. It's got everything to do with knowing that you're doing what you were born and made to do. Yet many of us, our lives, Christian, non-Christian, many of us, this is what our lives look like. We were meant for something else and we've taken what God's given us and we've twisted it according to the best guess that we can come up with of what we should be doing. And we use our lives sometimes for cleaning drains and for, for doing other things that I guess you could. You're just not fulfilling what God has for you. And then basically after we twist our lives out of shape, 
to fit our own purposes. We can get discouraged sometimes. And then we can read some self-help books that will tell us how to put our lives back together. Have any of you guys ever tried to put a coat hanger back together after you've used it? This is my best shot right here. All right. That's not good. That's probably not going to hang a coat. And so we try and put our lives back together to recreate something of what it should look like, but it never quite looks the same. One of the things I love about God so much is that he can take a stretched out life that looks like a coat hanger. He can take a life that's been used and run after other things. He can take a life that we have abused, a life that we have distorted, and we can take basically our lives, our twisted coating hangers, if I can undo this now, we can take it that looks like this and we say, God, man, I've been chasing the wrong things. And God, my life looks like this right now. And, and, and I know now that it's not supposed to look like this. And God, I've been using it for the wrong things. And God, I can't fix this myself. I've tried. But God, here it is. Please do with it what you can. And the God who created you and formed you can take your life and he can just put it right back the way he was meant to be. And he can fix you and he can twist you up and he can do with this coat hanging what I could never do with this coat hanger. And he can make you effective again. And he can use you for his purposes. And so when that message comes out this morning, time is short. God is saying, man, I've given you this amount of time. And some of you may be towards the end of that. We don't know when our time's up. But God has purpose in every life. Yes, he has purpose in the life of a child that dies early. And if we understand that, man, this is temporary and these are tents and the house is better, if we really understand that, that when we live and how we live our lives here, the only thing that's going to be asked of us is, what did you do with my son Jesus Christ in your life? And what did you do with the abilities and skill sets that I gave you to bring his name to other people? And that question, those two questions give us the answer to what this is supposed to look like. And if people choose to spend this without God, they're choosing to spend this without him too. And if they choose to spend this serving in relationship with God, they are choosing to spend this in a relationship with God as well. God isn't a side thing. He is the thing. He's not a side order. He created you and formed you with purpose. And there are way too many Christians whose lives look like this because they claim Christ, but they're really in reality using God to achieve their purposes. God is in a supporting role to what they have determined their lives need to look like. Rather than saying, God, this is my life. My life is here to worship you. 
Use me according to your purposes. Take me where you want me to go. And yes, those paths can be alarming and those paths can be scary. But I want to tell you, they are so fulfilling. I want to close with this story. The following is Deion Sanders. Anybody not know who Deion Sanders is? Deion Sanders... um, was a, a two-sport star. He was in Major League Baseball and also uh, the NFL. Uh, this is his testimony. This is what he writes. Bear with me as I read this to you, okay? He says, I remember winning the Super Bowl that year, and that night after the game, I was the first one out of the locker room. I was the first one to the press conference and the first one to go home. And I remember, I remember my wife Carolyn saying to me, Baby, you just won the Super Bowl. Don't you have a party downstairs or something to go to? And I just said, nah. And I rolled over and I went to sleep. That was the same week that I bought myself a brand new $275,000 Lamborghini. Because I hadn't even driven it a mile before I realized, no, that's not it. That's not what I'm looking for. It's got to be something else. I'm so hungry. That's when the Lord was really calling me. There was nobody going through it with me. It was just me, one-on-one with God. I tried running from it and running from it. And even when I was playing baseball the following year in Cincinnati, the Lord kept calling me and pulling me and drawing me along. I tried everything, parties, women, buying expensive jewelry and gadgets, and nothing helped. There was no peace I mean, I was playing great. I got all this media attention and everything the world has to offer, but no peace, no joy, just emptiness inside. The Bible describes it in the first chapter of Ecclesiastes as chasing after the wind, and that's exactly what it was like. I tried by myself some things to to make me happy, and I was even emptier than before because I could see that nothing could possibly satisfy the hunger that was deep down inside of me. I tried throwing myself into my career, into sports, trying to see how far I could go. And when I achieved every goal I could think of, I was right back where I started. Empty, empty, empty. And nothing I did could touch that deep loneliness inside of me. I was just running. I couldn't stop. My life was falling apart. I was pretty much at the bottom during all of this. My baseball game started to fall off. And before long, some of the guys on the team could see something was wrong but I don't think anybody ever guessed that my life was in shambles. I was struggling with just about everything in my life. My attorney, Eugene, could see what I was going through, and he tried to help me as much as he could, but I was so disappointed and disturbed about the way things were falling apart that I wouldn't listen to his advice most of the time. He talked about his faith, how Jesus gave his life purpose, and things like that, but I wasn't ready to receive any of that. Later, I started asking Eugene what it meant to be a believer in Jesus Christ, and he told me about being saved. About this time, I got a call from a guy I used to play with on the 49ers, Mark Logan. And he was playing for the Washington Redskins, and he was planning on being in Cincinnati that night. He wanted to meet with me. And so after the game, Mark came to the ballpark, and we met. We drove down to an IHOP, and we must have sat there for three or four hours. I really respected Mark as a person and as a Christian. And after we ate dinner, we sat there in the same seats for hours. And he was telling me about how the Lord was working in his life. At one point, he asked me, Dion, are you saved? And I said, no, man, I can't say that I am. But my attorney has been asking me the same question. Of course, Eugene, his attorney, knew I wasn't saved. 
but I've been reading up on it. And after talking with Mark, I went home and I went to bed, and this stuff was really on my mind. I was lying there in bed about 4 o'clock in the morning when I was awakened by these awesome lights in my room. I say it was like a 747 had landed beside my bed, and there was this incredible rush of wind that felt like a helicopter had come in with it. I remember opening my eyes and just, just the slightest bit and saying, God, if that's you, take me, just take me. And I was trembling all over. Before long, it was silent, and the lights disappeared. And later that night, I got up and I opened my Bible to a passage that said, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The words hit me like a ton of bricks, and I knew they were meant for me. And at that precise moment, I was delivered. I put my trust in Jesus, and I asked him into my life. And as soon as I realized what I had done, I was so excited that I had to tell somebody. So I got on the phone, and I called my attorney. And I said, Eugene, I did it. I got saved. He said, after that, little things started to change. I was just feeding myself day by day, constantly growing in faith. Then there would be a storm there, and I would stumble, but I knew I had to keep on going. The first time I ever gave my testimony, I felt better than I'd ever felt in my life. Telling about the trials and tribulations of the professional athlete, it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, don't be ashamed of me. He told me to have courage to go on and speak what he had done in my life, and it was just a complete and total transformation that began to work inside of me. And he ends it there. I just want to say this. He won a Super Bowl. NFL, Major League Baseball, buying and paying cash for a Lamborghini, everything that the world says is success. Everything that the world says brings joy. And this guy, after winning a Super Bowl, says this, the first time I ever gave my testimony, I felt better in my life than I'd ever felt before. He said, the first time I shared what God did in my life, that feeling was far greater than winning the Super Bowl. That feeling was far greater than being drafted. That feeling was far greater than the day I bought that Lamborghini. That feeling, that is the only time I've ever felt like I meant something. Let me tell you something, guys. It's not in all of this stuff. It's not in the success the world has. It's why Tom Brady, and I've said this before, after winning three Super Bowls, says this. He goes, man, he's married to a supermodel. He's rich. He's, he's one, he is, is success, success, success. And his words are, there's got to be more to life than this. Yes, he has skill set. And yes, he has ability. And yes, those have purpose in his life. But they are not his purpose. Until he walks in the purpose that God has for him, and it's a life that glorifies God, he will never have fulfillment, and my heart breaks for that. Your success, your joy, will never be found in your career. It will never be found in your ability. It will never be found after any worldly thing that you chase after. Your joy, your self-worth, you can have the greatest joy and have this much in the bank based on one thing. Are you fulfilling the plan that God has for you? I want to ask you this morning, how have you answered that question? What am I here for? 
not, not just how have I said it in my mind, how have you answered it with what you're doing right now? Don't look at the verbal answer to that question. Look at the life answer to that question. Your life and how you're living right now will answer that. It will either say, your life looks like a coat hanger. Or it will say, your life has been twisted out of shape and looks like this. God has a purpose for you. Please don't throw your life away. Please don't use the clean out of toilet. Roast a marshmallow. And if your life looks like this, I tell you, we have a gracious God. And it doesn't matter how long it's looked like this. You can come and say, God, I've made a mess of things. I want my life to count. I want it to count for you. Would you take this? and Would you correct it and make it what you want to be? That I can glorify your name with what you've given me here. That I might have a house in heaven. Spend my life with you. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you, there's a reason why you're here this morning, because God wanted you to hear this. You have purpose. You were born, defined, everything about you has reason and significance. Please keep coming back the next six weeks. We're going to keep going this way. Please get that book and read. This can change your life. You bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, we just come before you. God, for thousands and thousands of years, people have been asking that question, and many of them have left with no answer. God, I thank you that you have designed us and created us for purpose. God, that you have knit each of us together individually, Lord God, that, God, you spoke us into existence And there is a place for us, even right now, where we are, Lord God. There is no mistake. God, for those who are in this place this morning, and they do not know you, I pray, Lord God, that they would surrender their lives to you, that they would ask you to forgive them, God, that they would just ask you to come into their lives, Lord God, and to to define your purpose for them that they would find in reading your word, the instruction manual, the owner's manual of us, God, that they would find true fulfillment, Lord, true life, Lord God, true joy, true peace through knowing you, for having an encounter with you. God, we thank you that you've done incredible work in our lives, and God, even in guys like Deion Sanders, such a public figure, and you've done all of that to show us what real purpose is. God, I pray for those, Lord God, who know you, Lord Jesus, but their lives, God, their lives are all twisted out of shape, Lord God, and they're using their lives, Lord God, for other things, Lord God, instead of for what you've created them to be. God, they're convinced that joy comes from somewhere else, Lord God. They're convinced that their peace and their fulfillment looks like a certain picture. And God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for those people, maybe even now, they're realizing for the first time right now, God, that their lives looks like that coat hanger. And God, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you can take our lives. 
that may be twisted out of shape, God, and you can reform them to what they were meant to be, Lord God. And God, that it's never too late for us to bring our lives to you, Lord God, that our lives may bring glory to your name. Lord Jesus, we just pray, God, that you would use us. God, that you would identify our purpose, Lord God, more and more. That you would guide each step, Lord Jesus. That we would live fulfilled lives of joy and peace through our relationship with you. I just pray, God, that you would just change us this week. God, I pray, Lord God, over the next several weeks as we just dive into this, that you would speak to us. God, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you. God, that maybe even in the next few weeks, Lord God, direction in lives would change, God. God, that, that, that God, you would just transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord Jesus. We surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. God bless. These altars are open. If some of my deacons would come to the front, if you want to pray, we want to pray with you this morning. Thank you.